Hi, my name is Manuel, and I'm the host of this podcast where I have conversations with fascinating people across the country. Today, I'm delighted to speak with Tio Abu Agada, who is a political activist, spokesman for Concerned Nigerians, a human rights and good governance group. Tio and I touched on various issues such as his experiences in protests across the nation, the role of activism in politics and tribal relationships in, in Nigeria, and also the current security challenges plaguing the nation. I began by asking Tio what he does and I hope you enjoy this conversation. My name is Chefilos Abu Agada and um, I'm a social activist, a social commentator, and I, I am the spokesperson for Consent Nigerians. I don't know if you've seen the handle before, but yeah, we've done a couple of, you know, uh, you know, we've done a couple of uh, human rights uh, work in Nigeria, and you know, we are registered, you know, with the CSC, and we are also registered with so many human rights, uh, international uh, human rights bodies. And um, I would say that um, apart from being um, the spokesperson of Concern Nigerians, you know, I also work with um, a PR firm, you know, that is what I do. And I am married and I'm also from Kogi State, um, Galabai tribe, and a Nigerian who wants you know, a better uh, country for myself and for my kids. I mean, definitely that's what a, a lot of us really desire, a better Nigeria, Nigeria. But unfortunately, yeah. I think every four yeah. years we seem to always have those who, who do not desire the same thing. Sense. So the concern Nigeria, is that also the organization that Deji Adianjo is involved in? Yes, yes. Deji uh, Adianjo is, um, is our convener, actually. Yeah. All right. So what, what really do you guys get? Is it just the activism part of what, what specifically do you guys do? Um, well, you know, concern Nigerians, um, the, the truth is we started uh, around uh, 2016 and um, immediately we started, we've been trying to get the organization registered and maybe because of our previous um, activities and all the things that we've done in the past, you know, the governments of the day, you know, were fundamentally against us and, you know, the, the DSS, you know, wrote to the, uh, the Registrar General of the Federation, you know, not to get us um, registered, but um, in the end, you know, um, we even, we wanted to sue them at the point and um, we wrote to all the uh, security agencies, you know, on the need, you know, for them to uh, register us as an NGO. And uh, I'm glad to say that we are finally registered and the name is Concern Nigerians and um, it's Concern Nigerians for, um, is a human rights group you know, and um, we are officially known as Concerned Nigerians for the Protection of Human Rights and Rule of Law Initiative. So do you guys still get some sort of backlash from the government? Oh, of course, of course. You, I, you would recall that um, in, 2000 and, in 2018, you know, prior to the general election in 2019, um, our convener, the GRD Andrew, you know, he was arrested and um, incarcerated for over 79 days in Kano prison, over prompt of charges. And apart from uh, our uh, convener, you know, DG, myself too, you know, um, 2018, I, I, you know, I was arrested in, our, in one of our protest uh, ground, kept at you know, uh, SARS detention facility in Guzape here in Abuja for almost um, for almost three days before you know granted a bail by the magistrate court in Wuse. So, and there are several of our members too who have been 
arrested, you know, uh, as our protest ground. And you are quite aware, even when we're collaborating with our Mumudondu group, um, you know, many, many, many of those times, you know, we were tear gassed, you know, poured uh, hot water on and, you know, so many other things. So we've had our own fair share of, um, you know, the government, uh, uh, you know, handing uh, opposition voices and all that. So that you mentioned that you were arrested. Was that during the resign protest? Resume or resign? Resume or resign, yeah. Or no, no, no. Is that no, a difference? No, no, it wasn't uh, during, you know, I think uh, during the resume or resign uh, protest, it was more or less, you know, uh, uh, nobody was arrested that time. You know, but then <laughs> we were handed, you know, uh, several times, you know, by the police. Whenever we go to the unity fountain, you know, that is um, the one opposite the Transcorp uh, youth in Abuja. You know, you know, the police will come around to harass us and all that. But then my arrest actually came during um, the Free Zagzaki movement okay. and our group, you know, based on what we do, being a human rights uh, group, we were advocating for the release of uh, Sheikh Zagzaki, the leader of Islamic uh, movement of Nigeria, who has been um, in prison or detention for over five to six years now, you know. He's still uh, in prison. With, yes, he's still in detention. It was in the course of that because we organized a daily sit-out for uh, the group where they normally come, you know, we encourage them, you know, not to take laws into their hands, that even if they are advocating for the, the release of their leaders, that there are ways to go about it, you know, not turning the whole protest thing into uh, violence. In as much as, you know, they have the fundamental right, you know, to protest, go to the street to egg their, um, their views and all that, and you know how the government is treating them. That there is every need for them to be peaceful in their agitations and all that. So we organized um, a daily sit out for them, where we meet them every day to encourage them. And they, I think, uh, the, 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 the daily sit outs lasted for it for eighty nine days. And it was in the course of that uh, sit out that I was arrested and you know detained. So, what was your experience during the detention? Did they formally accuse you of anything? Uh, Sorry, I'm well, just trying to understand you know, the whole. Because to be frank, you are not the only one who gets I know, I know, in this thing. I know. Yeah, it, I, I, I think it was quite an interesting uh, moment in my political and social, uh, you know, activism. And I would say when one of the nights while I was in the uh, detention, and that detention uh, facility, to be honest with you, I, I, I had a very deep retrospection, like, is this whole thing actually, is, is it worth it? Like, is it worth, you know, uh, all of this fight? Is it, is, it, is it really worth it? Why would I even suffer myself over, a, a, you know, a, a country that will not even work or that is not even working? So there were so many thoughts, you know, going through my mind and all of it. And it was depressing. And considering the fact that that place, Trust me, it's not a place that any you know anyone as in uh, would want to be. Like we were, you know, we're over one hundred to you know four hundred uh, persons in the detention, and where I was kept, I couldn't move my leg all through the night, and it was one of 
one of my most, most horrible nights ever. And so many regrets, so many, you know, had I known and all that. But looking back, I would say it was an interesting, uh, you know, uh, it, was, it, 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 it was quite interesting. Let me just put it like that. It was quite interesting. So basically, what is your general approach to political activism? Because I, I often feel in a sense that those who are involved in activism, especially when uh, it mm. involves politics and social um, institutions and structures, when they mm. eventually get into power or get, you know, the get into a position of influence, they end up not being different from those that they were sort of, you know, fighting against. So generally, what is, what is your approach to the whole political activism term? Is it just to you know get up, get away with these people? The thing that um, before I you know we started this conversation, something told me you know uh, you were going to ask this question, and I was going to talk about this at a point you know in this conversation about how you know um, this so-called former. Uh, activists yeah. and those who were on the other side of you know the politics you know opposition getting into power and doing things differently from what they were talking about i think uh, is one problem that we are having in our country today i you would recall that when former governor of Edo states you know the comrade governor Adams, Adams, or you know, or Shomale was on the other side. You know, he always criticized, you know, the then president Olusegun Obasanjo, how he was not um, governing well, how workers are, you know, were uh, suffering, uh, were, you know, suffering um, under him, and how things were going wrong in the country. And the moment he got into power, you know, he became something else you know he was no longer the comrade governor that was advocating for good governance and there are several other cases like persons that um were advocating for good governance and when they got in it was a different case and this thing have some of these things you know happened because one our political structure, that is from the constitution to the setup of uh, our political structure is flawed. And secondly, greed. There is this fear amongst you know, politicians that if I don't steal now, and I don't steal for you know, the, my next generation, that what is the guarantee that they will not go poor? All, all of these things. So I, 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 I think beyond being an advocate, beyond being you know, a, a social activist, we must also you know, scrutinize ourselves, have you know, this sense of uh, purpose that when I get into power, some of the things that I was criticizing, because one, I must say that is one thing you know, um, to be talking about an issue. And it's another thing to get into power and you will realize that, okay, some of these things that you are talking about and some of the solutions that you were preferring to, you know, some of these problems when you were in the opposition, it's, it's, they are not just easy like that. You, you know, you will be met with um, structural problems. You will be met with, diverse you know problems that you never ever ever envisaged though that is why in as much as we are on the other side criticizing and telling you know the government on what to do and what not to do we must also be careful so that when we get there all that and this is this 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 brings me to us having a country that is well structured a country where you know 
um, we, 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 we really need to look at the way our constitution, you know, um, is being structured and all that. There is every need for that advocating for, you know, a structure that can, you know, a system that can actually work, you know, for the people. If you go to some uh, other places, is it's it's is the is the system that works and not really as in individuals. You are just there, you know, uh, to make certain decisions. But the workings of government, how government should be, and all that, it's system that controls, you know, and ensures that some of the uh, some of these you know problems you know are solved and all that. So I think, as social activists and political uh, political activists, we must ensure that. We advocate for, you know, um, a system that actually works rather than us changing, you know, the um, the political uh, system when we get power. So, with that, don't you think somehow that a lot of criticisms against Buhari is quite unfair? Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's unfair. Do you know why? Why? Wari has been contesting for president since 2003. Okay. In 1984, he had the opportunity to change this country as a military, you know, head of state. And apart from that, he removed a democratically elected you know, president of Nigeria. And he had so many reasons why he removed. And in fact, all the military head of state had one reason or the other to remove, uh, you know, themselves, you know, from power. They will tell you in their broadcast that yeah, there was. We 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 want to fight corruption. We want to change the way you know uh, Nigeria is being governed and all that. So he had the opportunity once to change the country. He didn't. He said okay that he had so many limitations when he was military head of state that he he wants to come as you know a democratically elected president you know to uh, to you know to change the country. So he contested. In 2003, he lost. 2007, I wouldn't say he lost, you know, uh, because I, 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 I am always objective in whatever, you know, I do in life. I wouldn't say he lost that election. That election was marred with so many irregularities and even late uh, President uh, Umaru Musayaradwa attested to the fact that the election that brought him in was flawed. So in 2007, he wanted to be president again. In 2011, he even cried on the national TV, you know, when he lost the election, that that was his last and that he tried everything he could, you know, to change the fortunes of uh, the country and Nigerians, and he was not given the opportunity. And in 2015, he was given the opportunity to change the country, but look at the way the country is right now. So he, he, he made so many promises to Nigerians. And if he couldn't you know, fulfill some of those promises, I don't think anything is wrong or he's, um, he's being judged uh, you know, unfairly. He is not. He made promises, and as an elected uh, public official, if official, if you, if 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 in the course of your campaign, you know you make certain you know promises to the electorate, the onus is on you to fulfill some of those you know promises. So I I I I I think the president is not being you know uh, judged unfairly. He made a promise. And he told us that he was going to change so many things and Nigerians believed him. So he has the power now. Let him, you know, uh, effect the 
changes that you know he promised uh, Nigerians. I think yeah, that's true because again, there is, there is always the danger of just listening to the words of politicians and their promises and then believe of course. somehow they're going to mm. <laughs> they're going to do what they've promised, which is why I think mm. beyond even in as much as I do not for one, I, I've never believed that Muhammad Buhari is, is a competent person to rule Nigeria, given <laughs> Nigeria's okay. complexities and even his own qualifications as a person. Mm. Yet, I, I also yeah. think, regardless of that, even if Nigeria has another person there, um, it would take a lot of, in a sense, it would take God's grace for things not to be as bad as they are now. Why? Because absolutely, we have... There's a problem with a lot of our institutions, the system, the political structure. Uh, uh, absolutely, absolutely. And and we have failed to have a conversation, in a sense, at either the federal, state, or local government level to to sort these things. Which is why, yeah. when I get back to, you know, the issue of the relationship between the north and the south, mm. I don't know, is it getting any better or worse in your own assessment? In my assessment, I would say that um, it's getting worse. You know, this is not how we were. I know that there has, there, you know, there has always been um, this um, ethnic uh, and religious uh, differences, you know, amongst Nigerians, especially the north and the south. But you know, it it's it's it has graduated into. Um, something that I would say, if not well managed, you know, um, would may lead to the breakup of the country. And I think um, the problem here, the president, okay. and the reason why we are where we are right now in terms of, um, you know, this uh, very deep hole in our, you know, uh, differences is the inability of the president to manage our diversity. But do you think he can actually manage such diversity? Now, this for me, this thing is, is very, it's very complicated. I understand when people talk about, you know, political appointments, a Muslim and a Christian, you know, someone from mm. the north, someone from the south. Mm. I yeah. get all that, you know, we talk about federal character and somehow, yes. somehow we mm. talk about zoning in elections. But unfortunately, yes. when it gets to the opportunity, the opportunity of a particular tribe, that's when everyone seems to forget zoning. But person, mm. personally, I'm not a big fan of zoning or, you know, looking at if someone is a Muslim or Christian or if someone mm -hmm. from the north or the south when the person is appointed. It's true. The first thing I try to look at is if the person is qualified. Now, okay. but the problem, as you say, is because of how diverse Nigeria is. And mm. somehow there is this cloud around Buhari that he's quite nepotic and all that. Mm. And he doesn't help himself with the way he does these appointments. In as much as I wouldn't want to personally judge him based on the tribe or the states where each and every one of those people come from. Yet, I think there's an evidence that he he's quite unfair in a lot of things that he does, especially when it comes to the treatment of say, you know, I don't hold any sympathy for IPOP, but it's quite clear the way he treats, you know, some of these guys at IPOP and how he treats say, the Fulani headsmen or the Mietial or whatever they're called. I mean, it's quite clear that it's as if there are two laws in the land and one is for a particular set and the other for, for, the, for the others. I, I would say that, um, like you earlier said, it's not actually, you know, um, it's, it's, it's not actually who gets what's, and who doesn't get what that really um, matter to you in terms of you know in, uh, appointments and in all of that. Personally, <laughs> I don't believe in all this you know federal character thing. Nigerians just want a country that works. I don't care if the man that will change Nigeria is from Kaura Namuda or the man that will bring, you know, development to uh, my hometown in Ugugu is from uh, Aguata in Anambra State. What matters to me is 
is this person competent? Is this person visionary? Is this person creative? That is what we should be thinking about. But Buari has made this whole you know, uh, thing so obvious that before now, people don't question where a particular appointment is coming from. Absolutely. People don't question where a particular appointment is coming from because what, as in the people in that particular position, you know, were performing very well. We've had people from the north who have performed, you know, excellently well, and nobody was, you know, uh, against them. We've had so many people from the south and from other, you know, uh, region in the country that have performed exceptionally well, and no, nobody cared to know where, you know, they came from. So these are some of the things. When appointment is based on competence, nobody will question the ethnicity of the appointment. But when you keep appointing people into government, people who are not you know, doing anything to better the lives of Nigerians, that is where people will now start asking questions about the ethnicity and where the individual you know, comes from. So Buari is the one who created this monster of questioning as in appointment by uh, Nigerians. So if he has or he surrounds himself, I don't care if the uh, entire Buari's appointment are from the north. So long as the people that he's appointing are performing very well. I'm okay with it, even though I believe that there should be equality of opportunity for everyone to try and you know, to have a say in a nation, in a, in a diverse nation like us. I believe also that when someone is competent for a job and is being given the job, there should be no need for us to start, you know, asking where the person is from and where, you know, the person uh, is from. I also think that definitely if, if he's been fair or if the country as a whole has been fair in its appointments, definitely it's going to, you know, cut across the whole nation because there are competent people for different tasks in all the 36 states of the of country. Course. So... I think in the end it'll be it's it's going to reflect, but also I don't know. I don't in the end I don't even see how does this even go go the go you know to to influence or impact the lives of people in these various states. Say the Senate president is from Ebony State. How has that helped the state Ebony? I don't know if that sort of makes sense to you. It's as if okay, the person is from is from my state. I'm happy and we clap and but. How does that change the lives of the common man? Which is why I think in the end, it should be about people who are qualified for the job, who can do the job. Those are the people that, you know, we should be looking, looking out for. And again, you come to elections, the North goes a long way to influence, you know, who comes into power because it's most There's times- There's absolutely no doubt about Yeah, that. it's a straight 50-50 thing. And okay, if, if we are talking about zoning, in 2023, is that zoning going to happen? Because I know that if Nigeria is being fair without zoning policy, I know the tribe that should be touting, you know, the next president. But unfortunately, it's as if the North still wants, <laughs> wants the power to remain at the North. So with all these things, and with a man who is in position now, who is definitely, you know, treating pandemic differently and Ambaka differently, in as much as I don't hold any brief or sympathy for, for Mbaka, but yet, it's as if, you know, we're going to defend our own, but if he's not our own, we're going to, you know, show all the receipts. I know you understand what I mean. Well, yeah, he's <laughs> well understood. And I would say that first, the politics of 2023, I was having a, a conversation with um, my wife earlier, and, you know, we were talking about uh 2023 and the politics of it and 
I told her something. I said, see, politics is dynamic. A lot can change in 24 hours in politics. Mm -hmm. I was privileged to be at PDP's um, convention in, um, in Poracot in 2018. And I could tell you that a whole lot changed within hours for article to emerge as PDP presidential candidates. Many people didn't know one went down, but trust me, Tambua was already, you know, assured the thickets that just the presence of a prominent person from the North at that convention changed the entire, you know, process and the game. So a whole lot can happen. There will be so many adjustments and readjustments compromises and you know here and there before 29 uh, 2023 election and i can tell you that pdp assistance is desperate for power and mm -hmm. they don't care at this point if the next their next candidate will be shekau if he will guarantee <laughs> them and i'm being honest with you if you will guarantee them being in that you know presidency that's how Desperate they are too. I just use that analogy to tell you that yeah, PDP wants power, and in getting that power, they wouldn't mind going to you know um the north to pick their candidates because APC may want to pander to the southern sentiment of one to uh, produce the next president of Nigeria in 2023. Do you understand? Yeah. And PDP in trying, you know, to get the majority on their side, they go to the north and pick their presidential uh, candidates. And do you know how it is that if PDP picks a presidential candidate, from the north, they already naturally southern people are PDP. Like you know, they have this sentiment towards you know PDP. So it's 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 a lockdown for them. Like especially the uh, the southeast, the south south. I wouldn't say much, you know, about uh, southwest because. Southwest can change at any time. And but I know for a fact that Southeast will vote for PDP as a particular as, as, as a political party any day, anytime. Same with um South South and even North Central too. So and you know, politics is a game of number. And the North has the number. So but that means that that means that the problem in the end would never be solved. I, I agree with yeah. you that politics is the you know, game of, of number, of numbers, as it were. Of course, you need the numbers and the numbers in the right places. But if this is what it is, it means the problem would not be solved, right? Well, you know, this this is why some of us are actually advocating for restructuring, because if we continue with this current structure, mm -hmm. it will be, let's just grab the power, you yeah. know, get what we want out of it, that it will continue to be. It's, trust me, politicians will always, as in, want power. Yeah. Whether if, many of them are complaining that the economy, you know, uh, uh, is in shambles under uh, President Muhammadu Buhari, but they still want to be president. That is to tell you that the problem actually is not that Nigeria can't work. The problem is leadership. And that is why Shinwa Achebe in his book, uh, The Problem with Nigeria, he's, he said, the problem of Nigeria 
is not its geography, the land, the river, or it as in all the people. But the problem of Nigeria lies squarely on leadership. And once we get the leadership right, every other thing will work as it should. And how do we get the leadership of the country to work? It's by one, electing leaders that will make the institutions of government work and not people who will base you know, um, their uh, achievements in how powerful they are as individual instead of you know, the institutions of government. If Nigeria is working, the INEC shaman shouldn't be appointed by the president. The INEC shaman, you know, chairman shouldn't be answerable to the president. If our institutions are working, the president shouldn't be the one to appoint the EFCC chairman. The EFCC chairman shouldn't be answerable to the president. And the EFCC chairman should have the power to investigate the president or any political uh, office holder. And the commission should be independent of political interference. That is how you know, institutions work. So if we can have a leader that can you know, make our institutions to work, then we have solved almost 70% of our problems. So would you say in your own assessment that some of the insecurity challenges in Nigeria sort of down to um, the battles and struggle for power in 2023? No, I, 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 I don't agree with that. Okay. You know, um, I think the, the current uh, insecurity problems that you know, we are having in the country today is as a result of one greed and is as a result of, you know, uh, systemic, you know, uh, problems and, you know, failure of leadership in the past, you know, that have resulted to, you know, you know what we now have today. And before, you and I know that there is this saying um, amongst Nigerians that, ah, a Nigerian can never, you know, commit suicide. A Nigerian can never kill himself. A Nigeria can never, you know, uh, carry arms and, you know, shoot his fellow uh, Nigeria. But you can't say that again. A lot has changed. Yeah. Our borders are porous. Armed bandits, you know, are operating freely. And there is no synergy among the various security agencies, many of them are not working together to solve the insecurity in the country. And the insecurity is now an industry on its own in the country where many people are not benefiting from. And many of them believe that when the problem of insurgency is solved in Nigeria, this pipe that you know, is flowing with lots of you know, cash and you know, money, you know, for them will be closed. So they, you know, they wouldn't want the war to end. Many people are benefiting immensely, you know, from arms deals and all that. So the, these people will not even want the insurgency to end. So if insurgency ends, how, where will they not benefit from? So the, the problem is the failure of leadership. And now many young boys, are now being recruited into you know, banditry, kidnapping, and terrorism. Why? Because the system has failed them in the past. I know that there are many intellectual you know, uh, terrorists right, you know, right now, but you can't equate the number of intellectual terrorists with that of you know, the illiterate uh, ones. As I am right now, bro, you can't tell me to go and pick up arms but go and terrorize anybody absolutely apart from the fact that i am well enlightened well educated and well informed 
I know the implication of, you know, carrying arms against the state and the Nigerian people. So I think people are easily persuaded into joining, you know, banditry and uh, terrorism and kidnapping because the system has failed them. And many of them, you know, the, is, the easiest way for them to acquire wealth through now is through kidnapping and you know, uh, banditry. So I think uh, it's a failure of leadership that has brought us here and not, uh, you know, and not the scramble for 2023. This problem was, you know, was there in 2007. It was there in 2011. It was there in 2015 there in 2019 and it will continue to be there if we don't make a frantic effort to nip this problem in the bud. Just to talk a bit about some of the solutions that you know have been suggested. For instance, your friend in Kaduna State Bureau 5 um, yes. recommended that schools should be built about 30 minutes away from a military base given that students are now being of kidnapped, which is, I don't know, I don't know. I think um, I'm quite, you know, disappointed with Aerofy. I, I may not like Aerofy, but uh, you can't take away the fact that Aerofy is a very, very intelligent uh, man. And for him to make such a ridiculous statement of schools being built, you know, around the military base, you know, so the children can be secured, it's quite, it's, it's, it's strange. A cake and it's, 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 I'm sorry to say, it's nonsensical. How can you say that schools should be built around, you know, a military base? And I, I that, that, that means if, if um, schools should be built around military base, then there should be military base in every community, in every towns and villages, and, and villages are across the 36 states of the Federation there. It's, 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 a, it's a lazy man approach, if you ask me. It's a lazy man approach. The best approach to kidnapping, to armed banditry and terrorism in, in, in the country is leadership. And how can leadership come, you know, comes in? One, the setup of, you know, the security, you know, the various uh, security agencies. One, the entire, all the service chiefs, apart from the Delta man that is in the Navy or Air Force thereabouts, that is not from the North. Yeah. The rest are from the North. It's not supposed to be so. And again, the issue of state policing is very, very, very important. You can't take a man from Tambua, Ahoda, in River State. He doesn't know anywhere around, you know, Ahoda. He doesn't know any, as in any, anybody around that place. He, 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 he doesn't know about their culture. He doesn't know about their religion. He doesn't know about, he doesn't know anything in that particular place. So how can you take a man like tell a man from uh, Tambual in Sokoto State to come and police uh, a community in, 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 in Nahoda local government of River State. It's not possible. This is why we, sh you know, the, 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 the entire policing system must be, you know, must be taken from, you know, the central down to the state. Let states manage their security themselves. Let governors take responsibility for their own security. Many of these governors are helpless. They can't do anything because security is not, as in, is not in their hands. No governor can control any police uh, commissioner in his state. Lastly, about the answers, were you at any of the protests and do you think that some of the um, requests or the grievances of of the citizens will ever be addressed because now it's as if just like this 
pantamitin. You know, our, our leaders are very wise. It's like they keep quiet when the stuff is hitting up. And then later they will address it when it's dying down, and then they will forget it. So I don't know. Would would you do you think this would ever be solved? The, the answer stuff. Okay. Um. First of all, I I was at the forefront of answers uh, movement in in Abuja here, and um I I I participated actively in the movement, and I used our pal our platform too. You know, the concerned Nigerians, you know, to do my own bit. And um, I would say that NSATS was beyond even, you know, an end to police brutality in Nigeria. It's metamorphosed into, you know, a movement of Nigerians demanding for good governance, you know, from their leaders. And I would say that one of the things that NSAS has, NSAS movement has helped us to achieve is one, at least there are no, there are no um, armed men in police uniform terrorizing Nigerians like it used to be again. There is this consciousness in our policing system now that you know, every policeman is trying to play safe we are in a digital age and many of them will not want to be recorded or be seen uh, doing any uh, illicit uh, or carrying out any illicit uh, um, activities. So this is one thing that, you know, NSAS has helped us to achieve. And NSAS has helped us, you know, to um you know um to be conscious and also it has raised our social you know consciousness and political consciousness about the politics of you know nigeria many if you observed um if you observe very well now you discover that so many young people now are many young people now are now you know agitated and they are willing to get involved in how they are being governed in Nigeria now. These things were not there before. It used to be, you know, let them do whatever they want to do. It's none of my business, you know. Uh, if the country likes, let it work. If it likes, let it not work. It's no longer so. Everyone is now agitated. Everyone wants to, you know, vote. Everyone wants to talk about politics, talk about things that affect him or her. So I think this is what this is one thing that Ensas has helped us to uh, achieve, and it has also helped us to, you know, understand that yeah, the young people of our generation are no longer are not you know docile like uh, our fathers who endured and tolerated so many things from you know their leaders, and that is why when the government discovered that, yeah, this generation was rising and becoming too powerful, they infiltrated the movement with some, you know, divisive uh, tendencies, like creating, a, you know, a leadership tussle problems, you know, amongst the agitators, you know, by contracting, you know, hoodlums to come and, attack the movement, you know, by turning the entire movement into a north versus south, you know, thing. So at least, if not for anything, NSAS has helped us, you know, to be now more aware of the politics, so many social issues, you know, affecting us as the people and as a nation. Lastly, is there something that we are not talking about generally as a nation that you think we should be you know, talking about? I think um, one is the issue of the electoral system. I don't think we are saying much about the, our electoral system because all of these things that we have been talking about, the only thing that can guarantee good leadership is by having an election that 
you know, um, an election that is free, fair, and credible, an election that gives, you know, Nigerians the right to choose their leaders, the right to choose who governs them. So now, if we don't talk much about this electoral uh, amendment uh, bill that the that Mr. President is yet to sign into law, then in 2023 is still going to be you know business as usual. These are some of the things that we need to address now. We need to address the way you know our voting system. We need to address the way we vote, the way our votes are being counted, and the emergence of leadership, you know, leaders in the country. So I think we need to start having an informed conversation around, you know, the electoral um, amendment uh, bill, persuade the president, you know, to sign it into law. Let it become a law and let's, uh, some of the things that we have witnessed, you know, in 2015 and in 2019 elections that made many people to believe that the elections was, you know, uh, the elections were rigged. Address those issues. Let us have a proper elections that will produce leaders that, you know, um, are, that, you know, that will produce leaders that are people's choices are not the one imposed on them by one political godfather or someone elsewhere. Yeah, definitely, that's one of the greatest challenges of our political system. But I really appreciate yes. your time, um, Mr. Tio, really grateful. And I hope some other time we'll, we'll, do, we'll do another of this. Manuel, you know, I, I am here anytime, any day, you know, to have this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it, my brother.